Our pastors, Tim and Kelly, they are with our missionaries, Joel and Veronica Ariola, um, and their family in Playa del Carmen in Mexico. Um, the church there, Casa de Fe, is the only four-square church in the entire three-state region in southern Mexico. And you and I, we have the opportunity to partner with them and the ministry that's going on there with your prayer support and your financial gifts. Our pastor, he will be bringing them a message this morning from the Word of God. And so, Pastor... We bless you, we bless Pastor Joel um, with God's anointing as you minister today. And we send our love from you here um, to the church there, Casa de Fe. And church, I want just to remind you, I know you already do, but just to remind you to keep our pastors and uh, Pastor Zariolas in our prayers. It's so vital, it's so necessary. It's so important. Your partnership with the uh, uh, ministry is just as important as uh, supporting them in prayer as them standing up publicly speaking. This morning, it's my honor to be invited to speak to you this morning. And so before I begin my message, I thought I would just share some fun facts about me, sparing you from a full biography. You know, those are always uncomfortable. <laughs> um, my favorite ice cream is Rocky Road. My first car was a baby blue 1963 Ford Galaxy. And wow, it was beautiful. And it had a hot royal blue Thunderbird engine that I would polish on weekends. <laughs> My relationship with the Santa Maria Foursquare Church, hey, you may not know me, but I, my relationship with you began way back in 1971, back when Pastor Jack uh, Hamilton and Carol were the pastors way back then. Maybe some of you remember, remember them. Carol and I are cousins. We came back here last September after I retired as the finance administrator at Cross Point Church in Santa Clarita. Gary and I, we met at the Foursquare Camp, Camp Cedarcrest, at Winter Camp 1970. Mm -hmm. We've been married 48 years. We have three children married to awesome spouses, and we are blessed with 15 grandchildren. <laughs> now, here's, here's probably one of the most important things to know. I'm way more comfortable doing behind-the-scene tasks than I am speaking. However, I have been known to be passionate, especially teaching a course called Graded in God's Image. My favorite book in the Bible is Philippians. And one of my favorite verses happens to be Philippians 4.8 which happens to be our text for this morning. The reason I love Philippians is because it's so practical and it's easily applied to our lives, everyday life. So today's message is entitled Positively Thinking. Now I want you to notice positively thinking, not positive thinking. Learning to think positively is way more 
valuable than just thinking positive thoughts. You know, some are going to say, oh, thinking positive thoughts, oh, that's going to create the results that we desire. Just replace those negative thoughts with the thoughts you want to have, and you'll get what you need or want. Now, I have found thinking positive thoughts, if anything, only buries the real issues deeper inside me. Kind of like a mask covering up what's really going on inside. It didn't work. Positively thinking is different. It brings change to our minds by allowing our thoughts, by aligning our thoughts with God's thoughts. Let me say that again. Positively thinking is different. It brings change to our minds by aligning our thoughts with God's thoughts. It's my opinion that Philippians 4.8 gives us the significant key that we need to learn uh, of living a fulfilled and peaceful life. Let's read the text together. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace of God shall be with you. Before I begin, let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word this morning, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds, and give us an increased understanding of your word this morning. This we ask in Jesus' name. As a point of review, we see Paul is writing Philippians from, uh, from prison. Philippians is a personal letter to the church in Philippi. Now, these are people that Paul cares about. And so you find that his writings are an informal style, and it's filled with warmth, and it's filled with friendship. In this letter, we find Paul is very intentionally sharing some of his own experiences. Did you know Sharing our experiences with those we care about is valuable. It is. Paul's modeling that for us right here in Philippians. He has a loving relationship with these people. And therefore, they were very open to hear what he had to share with them. He was a known and trusted friend, and they knew that he cared. Who doesn't want to hear helpful information from someone who cares? I know I sure do. So here's a question to jot down and to ponder later. Am I sharing my spiritual experiences with those I'm in close relationship with? I'll read that one again. Am I sharing my spiritual experiences with those I'm in close relationship with? I'm proposing this question for our consideration as a point of doing what we see Paul has done. When I was younger, 
a young, inexperienced senior pastor's wife, a new mom, living more than 2,000 miles away from my extended family, I welcomed input from anyone who cared enough to share their experiences with me. Letters were my lifeline. And back then there were no computers, no personal computers, no emails, no text. I remember one particular day receiving a letter from a pastor's wife who lived in another state hours away. She was thinking about me and felt prompted to write me. Her letter was like a welcome breath of fresh air that day. Her encouragement was desperately needed. She may not have known how important her letter was, but you know, my heavenly father knew what I needed and prompted me to write. I brought, prompted her to write. Paul, he was prompted by the Holy Spirit to write his letter to the Philippians. And so I pray that we too will learn to be sensitive and obedient to God's promptings. Paul's instructions to the Philippines, uh, Philippines, Philippians, <laughs> have transformed my life. And I believe they can do the same for you too. We see here in verse 8, chapter 4, the word finally. Paul is signaling to his readers that he's about to conclude his letter and he wants to bring attention to this most important, helpful piece of advice. He knows that when we control our thoughts, we live healthy and peace-filled lives. The words that are inspired by the Holy Spirit through Paul's pen are as relevant today as they were for the Philippians. God, who created us in his image, knows all about the power of our mind and the power of our thoughts. You know, the struggle that you and I experience in our minds is real. There's a fight for our thoughts. I'm a morning person, and it's my thoughts that wake me up most mornings. My husband, he's a night person, and he finds it hard to turn his thoughts off at night. You know, there's hundreds, maybe gazillions of things that are constantly competing for our attention. The reality is our minds are active 24-7. In a couple studies that I read, it said we have up to 60 to 80,000 thoughts every day. Wow. <laughs> That's a busy mind. It's important for us to understand the importance of our thoughts. There's a quote that I found from Frank Outlaw, and he says it very well. Watch your thoughts. They become your words. Watch your words. They become your actions. Watch your actions. They become your habits. Watch your habits because they become character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. Friends, did you hear that? Our destiny 
begins where? In our thoughts. The power of our thoughts can transform our life for good or bad. Stephen Furtick says, the thoughts that you keep in a loop determine the direction of your life. Sin, it grows from our thoughts, as does faith. What seed thoughts are we planting and tending? Joyce Meyer says, our thoughts are silent words that affect our inner man, our health, our joy, and our attitude. According to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, toxic thoughts such as stress, worry, fear, anger, unforgiveness actually cause damage to the brain. Chemicals are released into the brain causing chaos. The toxic thoughts can result in loss of sleep or an inability to do a job right, physical illness, and more. She writes how neurons in the brain are strengthened and change our thought patterns, much like the way a path is worn or deep ruts are created. Our thoughts create very similar neural pathways by what we set our minds on. The more often that we think certain thoughts, the more likely we will make that same connection in the future because it becomes hardwired in our brain. And then, what does it do? It runs on autopilot. You know, the Bible was way ahead of science in teaching us how to manage or change these neural pathways. We find that Paul... He writes a lot about our mind. I had pages and pages and pages of notes and scriptures, and I had to narrow it down. So, Colossians 3.2, he says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things on earth. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, he says, Bring every thought into captivity. And then in Philippians 4, 8, he provides us with a detailed list of what we should be thinking, meditating, and fixing our minds on. I considered presenting you with a complete word study. <laughs> I did write the notes. <laughs> but that would take too much time. I had to cut something. So I took the liberty to insert the collective words from the different translations that I read. So let's look at verse uh, 4-8 one more time. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, noble, honorable, worthy of respect, whatsoever things are just, right, modeling God's nature, Whatsoever things are pure, wholesome, whatsoever things are lovely, bring peace. 
whatsoever things are of good report, admirable, commendable, to speak well of, if there be any virtue, a desirable quality, behavior in line with God's moral standards, excellence, and if there be any praise, focus on God's strong points, I mean, focus on people's strong points and good qualities, and on how great God is, what he has done. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. Fix your thoughts on these things. You see some intentionality here? Our thoughts will either create new habits and beliefs, or they will solidify the old ones. The choice is ours. How often do we even think about what we're thinking about? <laughs> um, are we even sensitive and in tune to the effect that our thoughts are having on us? Ooh, feelings of heaviness, fear, worry, maybe. Are we controlling our thoughts or are our thoughts on autopilot? What have we programmed them to? Who remembers the dreaded pop quizzes a teacher would surprise our class with? <laughs> Not fun, right? Um, the quiz would reveal what we knew at that very moment. Years ago, I was determined I was going to change my old thinking patterns. So I decided I would give myself a pop quiz multiple times throughout the day. Now, I could be washing dishes, changing a diaper, driving or shopping, and I would stop myself and I would say out loud, pop quiz. What are you what am I thinking about? What are you thinking about, Kathy? And the element of surprise is 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 the key. Then I would quote to myself Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. Okay, now, thoughts, did you line up with this or not? Mm. I'm going to confess, in the beginning, I failed the quiz more often than I passed. At those moments in my disappointment, I would justify my thoughts. My justification allowed those thoughts to continue producing negative results. Results of fear, anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. Changing my thoughts wasn't near as easy as I hoped it would be. I found comfort Reading Romans 12, 2, the New Living Translation says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Whoa. What a relief. It's God's part to transform me. It's God's part to transform you. Our part 
my part is to change the way I think. The dilemma was, how do I change my thinking when my thoughts aren't lining up? The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit's our helper, our counselor, our teacher. And, you know, we can ask him for help. And so that's what I did. And here's the answer he gave me. When your thoughts don't line up as being true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, of any virtue or praise, Kathy, take the opportunity to turn those thoughts into a prayer and line them up with what God's Word says. Wow, what a great idea. I may not be able to stop the negative thoughts and feelings that come into my head, but you know, once I notice them, I can sure take them captive and turn them into prayers. Testing our thoughts and learning to take them captive is a huge part of the battle that we have. I want to encourage you to learn how to do this as a regular practice. I like Priscilla Shear's quote. Taking thoughts captive means controlling them instead of letting them control you. To control our thoughts, we don't simply stop thinking negative thoughts. It's important, it's imperative that we replace them with the truth of God's word. Let me illustrate this with a grandchild story. Grandmas get to do that. Um, one of our young grandsons, he often confides in me that he thinks he's weak. The more he thinks about his weakness, the more he's convinced that it's true, he's weak. His thoughts about his weakness almost paralyzes him, and he begins to act out weakness. It's hard for him to think differently. It doesn't matter what anyone else has to say. He believes his thoughts and feelings to be true. Anyone relate with that? <laughs> yeah. He's not the only one. However, I'm teaching our grandson to replace his thoughts of weakness with what God says. I tell him, honey, you may feel weak, but that doesn't mean you are weak. Each time we talk, I remind him of what the Bible says about weakness. I tell him, God says... My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. I explained to him, these words are written in the Bible because God knows there will be times when we all feel weak. I loved hearing this past week that our grandson drew a picture of himself with muscles. <laughs> Evidence that his thoughts are being shaped. He is beginning to believe the truth about himself. Now, I would not tell a child, nor you, just stop it. Quit thinking that you're weak. No. <laughs> 
It's vital that we learn to replace our thoughts with the truth of what God says. Sometimes it's a process when it comes to changing those strong thoughts. You know, sometimes those ruts are pretty deep. That's okay. While a pop quiz is helpful, is a helpful defensive approach to bringing correction to our present thoughts, it's important that we also understand how we are investing or spending our time shapes us and impacts the way we think and what we think about. Therefore, we need a proactive approach to adjust our thinking towards God thoughts. We do this by taking personal inventory to honestly answering these questions. What is shaping our thoughts? What are we immersing our thought life with? Is it the TV? News? Social media? Video games? Music? Our friends? Books? Literature? The Bible? Or worship music? While reading my Bible this week, I read the words of the psalmist, I stop to praise you seven times a day, all because your ways are perfect. I paused. I had to think on that. The thought I had was, whoa, how many times a day do I check or do we check our phones? We check our social media accounts. You know, of course, we justify it. It's because we don't want to miss a thing. You know, something's going to happen. But you know, this can become very addicting. Have you ever noticed how much time slips by? Sometimes 15, 30, 40 minutes easily disappears. I want to encourage us to pay attention to how we are being shaped not only by what we are hearing and reading, but also what's being put at us. Advertisements, ads, those pop-ups. What we allow our minds to dwell on shapes our expectations and ultimately the perceptions of the world. It's a good thing to take inventory and to rid ourselves of any source that has a negative or wrong influence on our thoughts. I thought, hmm, what would happen if we spent as much time or more with God as we do our phones and social media accounts and TV? Hmm, <laughs> yeah. God's desire is to free us to live an abundant life. Are we working with him? Or against him? I propose let's work with him. <laughs> this Bible here, it's his word. It's a personal love letter that's written to us for us. It's our instruction manual for this life. It contains promises of eternal life, comfort, and encouragement. And it's full of instructions and examples and models. 
The list of things to think about in Philippians 4.8 is more than just a list to compare our thoughts to. It's a list that describes God's character. We want to be thinking about God and thinking God thoughts. And the best time or the best way that we can do that is by spending time with him. God created us because he wants to, he wants a personal relationship with us. Not some dutiful relationship, but a relationship together that we would enjoy. You want to peek at this relationship? We can see it modeled in Psalms 119. Psalms 119 is written as a poetic book with 22 sections, eight verses each. I'd like to suggest maybe you read one section of eight verses for the next 22 days. Read it slowly. Meditate on it. Ponder it. Pray it. Journal it. I like the Passion Version, but select your favorite. Maybe I suggest select one you're not familiar with. The point is to read, enjoy, and grow. The Bible has much to say about the power of the mind and the power of our thoughts. And I touched on just a few of them this morning. If ever, now is the time for us to focus on taking every thought captive, guarding our hearts and minds and watching what we think and say. There's one more helpful tool and that's the power of remembering. Remembering the stories of what God has done. Remembering who God is and remembering what God has said and remembering what God has promised. Remembering just doesn't happen. God instructed the children of Israel to tell and repeat the stories again and again. He wants us to keep our testimony alive for our children. If God did it once, he'll do it again. It builds faith and confidence in their mind and in their heart. Jesus gave us a very important tool for remembering, and we read about it in 1 Corinthians 11. For some, it's a very familiar passage. It's the Lord's Supper. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We remember what Jesus did. I like it. As often. Do you realize you can take communion at home? Take it individually. Take it as a family. It's a beautiful tool to help us remember and to focus on the work of Jesus and the completed work on the cross. Let's never forget who the Lord is who he's been to you. Tell your children. Talk about it all the time. Let your thoughts and conversation be filled with God's character and God's thoughts and the things that God has done. Philippians 4, 7, Paul writes, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then in verse 9 he writes, and the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God wants to fill us with his peace. This morning, I believe the Holy Spirit's tugging on our hearts. For some of us, 
He's inviting us into a closer, deeper relationship with us, with him. He longs for us to experience the joy of knowing him more. If this is you, I would like to invite the Holy Spirit to take you deeper, to helping you evaluate your thoughts and to develop a stronger habit of positively thinking. Maybe it's possible that you're listening to this message and and you say, Kathy, I had no idea God wanted a personal relationship with me. I've heard about God, but I didn't realize I could know him rather than just know about him. I would like you in your heart to make a personal response this morning. If, If either one of these questions hit you, signal me with your hand or online, you can just type a little comment that I'm responding to the Holy Spirit's prompting this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit who teaches us, who leads us, who guides us, who gives us direction, who counsels us. Thank you, Father, for the word, your word, the Bible, that has given us such beautiful instructions on how to learn to uh, positively think. Thank you for your love and your desire to become intimate and and have a relationship with us. If you have never invited Jesus to be your personal savior, or maybe you want to renew your commitment to Jesus, just simply wave at me. Online, maybe just simply type, I'm saying yes to Jesus. We want to help you get started in that walk. There's resources, and we would love to connect you with those resources. Um, So ask. This morning, I trust that you've been challenged with captivating, taking uh, captive your thoughts. Not thinking positive thoughts, but thinking God thoughts. Lining our thoughts up with his word. Let me close and dismiss you with this benediction. Now may the peace of God guard your hearts and minds and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.